a Telsquare Media of Southeast Wyoming podcast. Good morning, good morning. Nick the Motor Guy back here for another two hours of Car Gab on a lovely Saturday. Uh, looks like it's going to be perfect all day and this evening, which is great, great news. Um, Cruise Night is happening tonight. We're going to have Magic City Enterprises as our charity of the week. Really excited to have those guys. Want to thank everybody for coming out last week. The Cheyenne Artists Guild had a great night. Um, they collected 660 bucks, which they were thrilled with. Uh, the most important thing they said for them, and this is something that I, I talk about all the time when I'm doing my nonprofit piece on this show, <coughs> is the outreach is so important. I will admit, until the uh, name came through on the email back in January, I had no clue that the Shan Artist Guild existed. Or if I did, it was very much in the background and I had never thought about it. But now I know what it is. It's a wonderful organization. It's been around for 72 years in Cheyenne. How many organizations can say that? It's a lovely art gallery. It's just uh, on the corner of uh, Holiday Park. They're on 17th and Murray. And the people who are involved in it are fabulous. Got to spend some really good time with them last week and really understand what they did, why they did, and the passion they have for it. And I think a lot of people who came out for cruise nights parked and walked over and chatted to them learned about that too. And that's something for all of you that get a chance to come down to cruise nights. The cruising's great, right? Seeing the cars is wonderful. The people watching is fantastic if you're into that kind of thing. Uh, and it's one of the things Debbie Martinez, our um, lovely photographer, is so brilliant, is catching the moment, catching the people, not just the cars. But take a minute, walk over to the Chariot of the Week. A lot of you will have heard of Magic City. Do you know what it does? I kind of did. Actually, I thought I did quite a bit. I've supported them over the years with their Festival of Trees and things like that. But again, until I got the email from them and posted up on the Cruise Nights Facebook page, I didn't truly understand what they were all about today. And like every organization, they slowly change as the community changes and needs are different. So Magic City Enterprises, I hope we're going to have somebody call in a little bit later. If not, I'm guessing Doug will be calling in at some point and we'll put Doug on the spot and he can describe everything to you. Uh, we'll see if I can get through without losing my voice today as well. The allergies have uh, definitely caught up with me. I don't know what uh, what nastiness uh, grew with all that rain we had earlier in the week, but uh, it's definitely uh, beating the heck out of me. So we'll see if we can get through two hours. And if I do lose my voice, for goodness sakes, please call, because otherwise you're going to have a lot of dead air. <laughs> on that subject if you would like to join me at any point today if you have a problem with a vehicle question with a vehicle just general chat whatever 632-6500-632-3323 our listeners out of the area can always call on one 503-6500 as i was thinking about the show this morning um and quite honestly doing what I what I do occasionally, which is to just search through the classifieds and Facebook marketplaces and all that, just to see what cool vehicles might be for sale. I came across an, a 1962 Oldsmobile Starfire. 
And I thought, what a great name. I mean, Starfire. It, it's, it just sounds cool, right? And that got me thinking, well, what was a Starfire? And so I started looking up, and it's a great big two-door boat of a car in your typical early 60s tradition. And then I started thinking about all these great names and how Oldsmobile really, really jumped on the whole space age thing with their rocket, um, rocket engine and their rocket symbol as their uh, insignia. I, and it suddenly made me think, how sad have we become in uh, the automotive industry where we now name everything pretty much. I mean, there's a couple of manufacturers, but a lot of manufacturers are all letters and numbers. I would rather talk about a Cadillac Eldorado or a Cadillac DeVille or any of those rather than a DTS, ETS, CTS, ATS. What does that mean? I mean, I'm sure there's an acronym in the, the uh, dungeons of GM somewhere that said, oh, this is a good idea. And you think back to all the great car names over the years, and you think, gosh, surely they can do better. Sometimes there are car names which have transcended through throughout time. Sometimes there are what names that you thought would never go away. Um, for me, growing up, the Ford Escort. I never thought the Escort would disappear. But no, it obviously became, you didn't want to be escorted anywhere. You had to be focused on, according to Ford. And then there are some nameplates, which were a model that became so iconic that they became a brand all of their own. And the one that absolutely jumps to mind, even though it is now an awful BMW thing. I know some of you love them. It's okay, I don't. Anyway, the Mini. The designer, Alec Isagonis, when he designed that back in the late 50s, couldn't have imagined what he was starting. Could not have imagined that this little car would transform the roads all around the world, and particularly in Europe and uh, various uh, various places, um, the colonies, as I, I should, the Commonwealth. There we go. Um, but he certainly could have imagined that that little car would grab people's attention so much it would be featured in movies and then so much that it would be grabbed by one of the biggest man successful manufacturers in the world when it came up for sale and become its own brand and a huge brand as well and when you think of the the mini when i think of the mini you speak think of the sporting versions and that would have been the mini cooper the cooper was always the hot car it actually came from a ex-racing driver, racing team owner, John Cooper. And again, just like Mr. Isagonis, I'm sure Mr. Cooper could not have imagined that his name would be plastered all over a German car within 40 or 50 years. In fact, he's probably rolling over. But here it is. There's lots of people talking about minis and talking about Mini Coopers. And it's always fun to meet the enthusiasts for the BMW one when they actually really understand the history. Most don't, but a few do, and that's really cool. As I said, if you'd like to join me, 632 6500, 632 Let's jump to the phones. Good morning, you're on Cargap. Hi, Nick. Hello. 
This is Jerry and Greeley. Hello, Jerry and Greeley. How are you today? Well, okay. A friend of mine almost destroyed his uh, 2018 Trailhawk engine, I'm afraid. But, uh, well, he, he changed the oil for the first time, and um, it has a cartridge filter instead of a spin-on yep. canister. And apparently he didn't get the O-ring seated. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yeah. And um, he, he started it, idled it, didn't see any leaks, but he thought maybe it took slightly higher pressure. Yep. Okay. So then once he, he got out at uh, highway speed, then apparently the O-ring blew. And it spat oil everywhere. Yes. And um, he, the, the alternator light came on. His mm -hmm. theory is that the oil was making the belt slip on the pulley so badly that that the alternator wasn't charging. He never got a check engine light. Okay. But um, anyway, he immediately uh, shut it down and figured out what was going on. And uh, it, it has a six-quart crankcase capacity. Yep. He had, he had to add three-and-a-half quarts. Okay. Um, so you know, what, what he's hoping is that he never got below the pickup in the sump and that he, that he never really lost oil pressure. Is, is that accurate, that, that if he had actually sucked pick up dry that, that then he would have lost oil pressure and got a check engine light i uh, well you, you should have got an oil pressure light before you got a check engine light um uh the oil pressure no it's, it sounds like because he didn't get a red oil pressure light and quite honestly in modern cars quite a loud hey pay attention you got a problem chime um i suspect he's okay uh, if he put three, three and a half quarts in, yeah, that's not good, but he didn't run it for any length of time like that. Um, it depends on how how high an RPM he was running at the time, because that also puts demand on oil. Uh, more than likely, he has dodged a bullet. We will go, I want to jump back to the alternator thing a little bit. Um, the alternator actually might worry me a little bit more as it may well have damaged a function of that for the future. Any type, so the alternator is fairly open because it, it ventilates itself and there's usually a fan attached to the front of the pulley which cools it. If it did cover the alternator in, well, sounds like three and a half quarts of oil, uh, the oil may well have got into that armature area and that may also have caused the problems with the charging system i although it may have cleaned itself out and it may be behaving now there may be some some uh some issues that are going to come down the road because some of that oil will now be stuck inside the alternator as that alternator gets hot and cold hot and cold hot and cold etc etc over the next several years I uh, you could start to have gumming up issues all kinds of just issues and it may end up a with a prematurely failing alternator um if he did get oil all over the belt that is a serpentine belt uh my other recommendation i mean other than he needs to after sealing up the filter housing which i'm sure he's already done i uh, clean the heck out of the front of the engine I would personally pull that belt, um, clean every pulley extremely carefully, 
and then replace the belt, putting that one in a bag as a spare should you ever need it. Okay. Uh, one, I mean, the, the material belts are made of is so much better than it used to be that they're probably not as badly affected as by um, oils and petroleum products as they once were, but it's not something that I would be would have total faith in. And a belt, in the big scheme of things, is relatively inexpensive. Right. Now, having said that, if he does do the belt and he doesn't have a lot of knowledge on doing one, there are plenty of ways of you know get the owner's manual. But the number one thing, if he does his own belt, is takes his cell phone or camera or whatever and takes a picture of how that belt is routed. Right. Now, there's probably a diagram. On most cars, there's a diagram, but they're always pretty hard to understand. And there's nothing like a little bit of photographic evidence when you're scratching your head and going, oh, my goodness, where does this belt go? I've been doing this for more years than I want to mention. I still take a picture of that belt before I pull it off. Uh, because, as again, I, I've been doing it a long time, and I may think I'm going to remember... And the ninth time out of ten is the time I don't remember. And then I'm scratching my head trying to work out what the silly diagram is trying to tell me. Uh, so that that's that. And I want to jump back to the first part of your story. And this is something which a lot of people don't understand. Modern engines run quite high oil pressures, but they take time to build and it builds at a higher RPM. One of the double checks we use at Next Fast Track, my old shop over off Del Range, is when the engine has been refilled with oil and everything is set, we start the engine, let the oil pressure come up. Once the oil pressure is up, we will then hold it at 2,500, 2,500 RPM for about 15 seconds to make sure that that pressure has gotten um, to the oil pressure housing or the cartridge or whatever it is, and then double check for any sign of a leak or even a weep, because if it has any sign at all, then it needs to be investigated. Um, if it's a consolation to him, he's not the only one to have done it. Um, if it's a consolation at all, at least he didn't crack the housing. One of the problems with these new cartridge housings is the cap is typically made of a plastic. So it is quite, if, without using the right tools or being a, a little, quite honestly, ham-fisted, and that's no insult to anybody meant, um, it is quite easy to crack that down thing. And again, unless you pull the oil pressure up and get it to the point that the pressure's behind that cap, it may not leak until you're going down the road. So another reason for that pre that sort of pressure test. On the alternator, would it hurt anything to take a spray can of brake Yeah, don't do that. Because um, not that there should be any sparks, but if there is, you go, I don't want to see somebody hurt. I would not risk that. Okay. Well, actually, I guess I, um, I never thought of that. that uh, some time ago, I was doing my own oil change and i managed to spill some oil on on my alternator and i never thought about the fire hazard but anyway i, I sprayed the alternator pretty thoroughly with brake clean to try to get residual oil out of the inside of the case and yeah um i that just always scares me there shouldn't be a spark with an alternator but you're playing with electricity 
but aside from that, is there any risk? I mean, it's going to again, it does. It, it depends on the alternator. It depends on whether I I don't feel it's a good idea to introduce solvent into that area. Okay. Um, good dousing with water because it's designed to deal with that. Hmm. Okay. I understand that water doesn't deal with oil necessarily, but you can at least kind of force it out. But again, once it's got deep into that alternator, that armature area, it, it may, I, I, again, I may be going way off on this and, and worrying him unnecessarily, but that would be one of my concerns with the belt being the other one. Okay. You see, he did clean the engine bay with uh, dishwashing soap and a pressure washer as well as he could. Uh-huh. Yep. But, um, yeah, it sounds like it'd be smart to pull that belt. And well, definitely pull the belt and pull the pulleys, because as much as he will have cleaned it, wherever the belt was sitting on the pulley, there would have been oil underneath it. Right. Okay. But uh, what, do you think, um, let's say if he had starved the, um, the oil circuit even a little, would it show up? Would it be smart for him to do an engine oil analysis? You could, but I don't feel because he didn't get a oil pressure light. He got it shut down Hi. quickly. Uh, I, I don't feel that it's going to be a problem for him. I really don't. Okay. I think he got it off, shut off soon enough. Uh, I mean, three and a half quarts is an awful lot of oil to be down, but as long as it didn't wash off the pickup, um, he wasn't pulling six, 7,000 RPM on the thing, so the crank wasn't demanding a ton of oil. Or the top end camshafts, because of course one of the things with these new engines, they're all overhead cam engines. So getting that oil pressure up that top end is pretty important. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you very much, Nick. I'll pass along the advice. I appreciate it. Absolutely. I, I you know, you, I'm, are you sure your friends want to talk to you? Because you, you come up with a problem for them every week. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks again, Nick. It's good to talk to you, Jerry. Take care. Bye bye. Bye bye. We're going to take a quick break because that took a, 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 quite a, a little bit long, but I apologize. There were lots of sort of legs of that question. Anyway, we will take a quick break and we'll be right back on AM 650 KGAB. And we're back on CarGab. Nick the Motor Guy with you. If you'd like to join me, 632-6500-632-3323, Let's jump right back to the phones. Good morning. You're on CarGab. Hey, good morning, Nick. Hello, Doug. How are you, sir? Well, I'm doing pretty good. I. Uh, it sounds like you're kind of struggling in the voice. Uh, I am a little bit. Little yeah, bit. it's uh, a little, <laughs> a little rough this morning, but we're going to get through it. I, as usual, I've got plenty to say. It's just whether my uh, my voice will let yeah. me do it. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. I know. You know that plenty to say thing. I kind of have that too. That uh, I always got lots to talk about. So. Yes, yes, anyway, we do. And you have a new thing to talk about. I do have a new thing to talk about. <laughs> I'm going to take a lot of grief over this, Nick, you know. You, know, I, you see, gonna... you're not going to take any grief from me because uh, I the, know. the first company I ever worked for as a manufacturer was yeah. Nissan. Yeah. Like yeah. almost like a year, right as they changed from Datsun to Nissan, and yeah. one of my first cars I ever sold was a 300ZX. Yep, yep. And then uh, I worked for I worked at Halliday's for a few years, and and uh, that was one of my always one of my favorite cars. That's when everything was under one roof there. Yep. And uh, 
that was one of that was my favorite one of my favorite cars that they sold there was the Nissan 300ZX. So so I finally found the car, you know, I was all over the map. I was looking at station wagons, you know, full-size cars. We we're looking at Mustangs, Camaros, Challengers. You name it, we were looking at it. We spent a lot of time looking for a car and this one just came out of nowhere. And the kid, and the youngster kid, I shouldn't be rude, Skylar, I apologize, but nice dude. Nice, nice, nice guy. And uh, he recognized that this car was a survivor yep. and that it was all original. So he didn't turn it into a tuner. He didn't, he didn't turn it into a drift car. Nope. Um, he just, he realized what kind of condition it was in and that it, that it was original and that, and so he didn't change anything. He just, cleaned it up really good and uh, checked it over and did some mechanical work on it and uh, uh, really just got it really in A1 condition to sell. And uh, had I not been doing a video last week and had it not driven through the, the frame... <laughs> Nick the Motor Guy back here on CarGab. Uh, we're chatting to Doug online too. If you'd like to call on line one, we can also grab that and bring you in on the conversation. Uh, we're going to talk some cruise lights. We're going to talk a really pretty 300ZX. Doug, I, I'm, I'm thrilled yeah. for you. Now, this is like the second generation of that shape, right? Because the earlier one looks a little it different. Is. Yeah, it is. The, it's the S three i think or, or the version three that they call it the earlier ones were the uh you know the 240 260 280z and then the 300 came out and then this is the second version yeah and the 300 the was 300. the first of those to put the v6 in it right and it's it that's this one's got the v6 in it it isn't turbocharged but uh, you know i might be able to do something about that but i i'm kind of like skyler was you know i kind of hate to do too much to it other than just make it perfect yeah you know just enjoy it really all i want to do because it's you know that's kind of what donna loves this car too and actually she you know she won't ever come right out and tell you but when she saw it she had a big old smile on her face when she (laughs) saw it the first time and uh, she didn't drive it but we we took we we drove it and we when we came back i was pretty much ready to pull the trigger on it so it's it's a beautiful car. It's wine. It's burgundy wine color, uh, metallic. Yep. And it's uh, it's got a, a red leather interior. The, the interior has just a couple of minor things, just very, very minor things wrong with it that can easily be fixed. Uh, the exterior, there's no rust. I mean, I couldn't have... I couldn't oh, no, it's, 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 it's a, it's a really car. pretty car. Does it... Now, mm. what year is that one? It's an 85. It's an 85. So, so does it have that sort of crazy center stack stereo in it? It's got a, it, 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 it has a, no, it doesn't have it. It's not stacked up. It's, it's, it's just like a regular size radio. Oh, okay. It's got, it's got a cassette player in it. We're not sure it works because we're having trouble finding the cassette. I've got some. Actually, I've got some. <laughs> In fact, one of our um, listeners and indeed uh, um, uh, participants at Shine Cruise Nights gave yeah. me a cassette tape about English yeah. cricket last yeah. weekend. <laughs> and that, I believe, is sitting in the console of the Ranchero. Yeah. 
Well, I so. think Donna found one. I haven't tried it yet, but uh, <laughs> hopefully it works. If it doesn't, the radio works good. One of the things that it's got a, it, the power antenna, it's got a power antenna that when you turn the radio on, it comes up automatically. Yep, absolutely. Well, I remember somebody, that. And it broke. The the little, it's got a little cable drive <sighs> in there, and that cable broke. So I, I can't remember if you can fix that or you, you, you might just have to find another antenna for it. But I did go online. There's a lot of parts available for it. It's you know, it, it doesn't need a whole lot. Just a few minor things. You'll see tonight. I'll show you. Yep. But, uh, you know, it's uh, it's got T-tops, so it's not a convertible. You know, we were looking at convertibles, and we were looking at sedans and coupes. So it's kind of a cross between the two. And it was so, one of the few T-tops. And we all remember the T-tops yeah. that came on Trans Ams and Camaros and things like that. And those things yeah. always, always leaked. I know what it yeah, was with they with Nissan. They didn't. They got them right. They really. Yeah. And same with the T top slash Target top that the Porsche used on the nine uh, eleven. Yeah. It's got some. It's got. It was really good. The weather stripping is all really good on it. The glass, the latches, everything is all really solid in it. You can tell it doesn't leak. Yep. We, we drove it down the highway and it didn't leak. Driving down the highway, its latch is really good. Perfect. It's got these. The thing that I did that I have on that this one has that my Corvette didn't have is it's got some snap-in covers that snap on the inside of them. Yeah. So you're not in the sun. All yeah. The time. So you're not baking. Yeah. 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 And, I, and my Corvette, my, I had a Corvette with T-tops and it didn't have that, and I wish it would have. But uh, it's got a came with a car cover. It came. I, I mean, just it. I couldn't believe it. It just, just you know. And, and I think you were the one that told me. Well, just keep looking. You'll you'll find you'll find something. Something will come along. So they tell everybody, yeah, yeah. Don't don't force it because it's going to be something runs along at some point and kicks you straight in the teeth. Yeah, yeah. It came <laughs> in and I I had to kind of hustle to get the money out because I had it in an account that I had to took me a few days to get it out. And uh, I was like, and he kind of wanted to get you know do the deal by the weekend because he's trying to move to Arizona or something. I think is he and. Uh, and so he couldn't. He didn't, couldn't. Didn't really want. Couldn't really have room for that car or take that car with him. So he was trying to get 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 it sold. But but what a guy! I yeah, mean, Skyler. He's just a young kid. He's a young right. kid. Great attitudes. Very, very knowledgeable about this car. I was surprised. Yep. Uh, he was telling me stuff about it. In fact, you know, this is kind of the first car I've ever had that I didn't really don't really know a whole lot about the engine and transmission and drivetrain. You know, I know what to look for if it's got any problems, but... You know, yeah, but don't know car, the history behind it. Yeah, yeah. So is it I, a five-speed or is it an automatic? It's an automatic. It's automatic, okay. Um, but that, you know, we, we kind of wanted a, a manual, but we really... That's not a deal-breaker. Yeah, That no. wasn't a deal-breaker. And the automatic in that was actually... A, that, that, that Jacko transmission was incredibly good. Solid, almost never, easy. ever see a problem with one of those. Yeah, yeah, it it shifts good. The fluid looks good. It's, I mean, it's, it's. I just couldn't be happier with with wow. what we ended up with, and and uh, he made he made me a good deal on it, so I can't complain at all. Good. I'm happy, and uh, we'll drive that thing and probably drive it forever. You know, it'll probably one of my kids, probably Olivia, will end up with it. So. <laughs> That's fantastic. <laughs> awesome, awesome, so, awesome. Well, congratulations. So, yep. We do have a call online one, so let's jump on yeah, to that real quick, and then we'll go from there. That one, then we'll, 
Then we'll talk about cruise night. All right. Good morning, Line One. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. What can we do for you today? Well, this is Stefan from Loveland. I've got a 2002 F-150. Uh-huh. And the air conditioning quit working. Okay. It's blowing hot air. I'm, I'm, and I've done some research online. I can't really find a whole lot on it. So I'm guessing it might be one of the vacuum lines. So, no. So there's a couple of things it could be. Fords are infamous for having pressure switch issues so i i mean it can be many other things um it could be a failed compressor it could be low on refrigerant um we won't accept refrigerant i already tried that okay so i suspect you may have a low pressure switch issue um also called a cycling switch okay well something well that might and because I have replaced lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of them over the last 25 years I've been doing this in this country. And I had to learn air conditioning because in Britain, we didn't have air conditioning back in those days. Oh, jeez. <laughs> so it was kind of a shock to find all this piping and compressors and stuff in the engine bay when I first got here. But okay. uh, very, very common is a pressure switch. Or again, it can also be referred to as a cycling switch. And where would that be? It depends on the vehicle. Um, honestly, I don't remember, but I am sure if you put that into a um, search engine, into Google, it will come up and it will show you exactly where it is. And if it does not, feel free to call my um, one of my Mido stores or give me a call offline over at Shire Motorsports and I will guide you in the right direction. Okay. Also, something else on it. When I do turn on... Well, I just turn on the defrost. The AC unit continually kicks off and off. Just cycles. Off on, off. The AC off. unit does? So the compressor yeah. cycling on and off, and again, that may be because of the the switch. That's why you're not getting it to, to work. Because it's not allowing the compressor to work. Would you think that's right behind the glove box? No, 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 no. It's in the engine bay. It's in the engine bay. And what is what is the exact name? I'm going to write it down and then I'll... It could be called a low-pressure switch. It could be called a cycling switch. And I don't remember how Ford refers to it. Okay. Well, that gives me a start because I've, I've been looking. It's been kind of tough. So... Um, yeah, and as I said, the, the same system is pretty much used in all, all Fords. So that would be definitely the... the the most common piece that I have replaced. Um, and there are ways to test it. Again, you'll be able to, when you bring that up, you should be able to find that on um, on Google. Okay. Uh, but if you are having struggles with it, please feel free to reach out to me offline. Okay. Also, I had to change the heater core twice. Uh-huh. Is there, some, is, is, is there a chance I disturbed something in there somewhere? Yes. There is. Um, one of the things that you could have done is, are you sure that the mode door, so there, there's basically two, there's a blend door and a mode door. So the the, the, the mode door does your 
vents or your feed or your defrost. Your blender is what blends the cool and the hot air. Are you sure that you got that connected and are you sure it is moving or are you getting hot air coming into the cabin at all times? It's hot air all the time, but it was functional because it was working. Well, if it's hot air all the time, then I would be a little bit concerned. What you need is, so Sunday morning is going to be a great time to test this because we're going to be in the 30s, okay? Okay. So what I would do on Sunday morning to test this is go out and start your car, let it run till the engine's up to temperature. Turn the heater control all the way to cold. Don't turn on the AC, just turn it to cold and turn on the fan. If you are getting hot air out of it, that tells you that Blendor is stuck in the hot air position. And then we have a whole different world to deal with. Oh, yeah, it's a project to get to it. Yes. I mean, it's, yes, it's a project. Uh, so you may have a blend or failure or, or not connected correctly or something like that as well. But you can test that, as I said. If you are getting hot air, when it's the and it's hard to test on a warm day because well, it's a warm day, but on a cold morning, turn it to cold with the engine up to temperature. If you're getting good hot air out of the heating system, you know that blender is stuck in that heat position. Okay, is that a common thing? Cause yes. I the working, not too long ago. Yeah, it is. Now, the, the, particularly if somebody's been in there. Um, it, it, it can, yes, that can be, that can be an issue. Okay, well that, I hope that's not it. That's, I hope for your sake it's not it either, oh. um, but again, I, I, I can't be sure. But as I said, it, it, if you look at an air conditioning clutch cycling switch, is going to be probably the, the way you'll find um, the most, the, the most information. And I'm just okay. looking very quickly um, on the net as I'm talking to you. And there's tons of tons of information on that. Okay. Okay. All right. Well, thank you, sir. All I right. I really appreciate your show. I listen to you pretty much every single weekend. So. Well, well, thank you. And I hope I help a little bit, at least got you looking in the right direction. I said that blend door is going to be one of the tests. And then looking at that cycling switch are going to be the two immediate easy ones that I'd suggest. Okay. Well, hopefully it's not the blending door. Yeah, I really hope that's, for your sake it's not. But to get to it. oh yeah, yeah. Well, be thankful you know don't have some other cars where the seats, the steering column, and the entire dash has to come out. Well, that's what I have to do on this. You no, know, you could. You, you you don't you shouldn't have to do all of that. <laughs> but you yes, okay. it's not a fun job. Okay. All right. Well, thank you, sir. Appreciate your time. All right. Best of luck. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Oh, that's an ugly one. <laughs> as soon, well. As soon, as soon as he said he'd replace the, the heater car, I'm like, oh. They actually, no. do you remember, um, and this was not common on the F-150s, which is why I didn't go there, but do you remember the Explorers, sorry, Explorers, um, and the Tauruses? all had Blendor issues where you had they to did. replace the whole heater box. And there's actually a whole industry of people that came out with paper, mm -hmm. um, paper, uh, like, uh, 
uh, cut out pieces that you could glue in a certain place, cut yeah. into your heater box, yeah. and glue the blend door back together. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that blend door, the blend door, you can actually get it in there wrong. If you, if you take the heater core out, you can, on some of those, you can get the blend door in there wrong. It looks yeah. seems like it's in right, but it's 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 on the wrong side of the of the opening because doesn't it pivot in the middle? It does. I can't remember. I yeah. think it pivots in the middle, and if you get it in the if you get it in there just kind of the wrong way, it'll but stick. What kind of sounds goofy to me on his though is that cycling AC cycling when he has his defroster on. Yes, yeah, so that uh, tells me that we may have an AC. We may have two issues. It may be yeah. both. Yeah. Because you'd yeah. think if it's even cycling it's- slightly, it should cool the air a little bit. But if you're blending, if you've got the blend door stuck open, you may well have yeah. a cycling switch with a problem and. Yeah. Um, and a, a blend door. One of the things I will say to want to cover my rear end and the station's rear end, and honestly, for the safety of everybody, don't break into AC systems unless you know what you're doing. It's a ton of pressure in there. If you mm-hmm. do not have the correct recycling equipment and you cannot test the pressures, take it to a store because it is going to... It, honestly, it, it's an uns- it's very unsafe. Just please out yeah. there, be careful. AC is not something to play with unless you have some pretty yeah. significant knowledge. Yeah, even people that are highly trained in AC repair are very have to be very very careful. Yeah, it's it's a very delicate system. It looks pretty beefy, but it's pretty delicate. There's things in there that can. Yeah. Cause you a lot of grief. And once and you break grief. into it, um, mm-hmm. there's a lot of things that you need to do to mm-hmm. before you can put it all back together. So I've seen a guy get his eyeball frozen one time. Uh, yeah. Because he probably popped it, popped, cut it loose. He, he opened up the system before it was drained improperly, and it shot right in his eye. Yeah, and that was an old system, which good. wasn't nearly under the pressure of some of these new ones. Yeah. No, wasn't a good thing, though. Not a good thing at all. No, bad, bad, bad. So please, everyone listening, don't mess with AC systems. You must have the now checking the check your cycling switch, the blend or heater core. Absolutely, but actually getting inside any of the AC system, get it to a shop. Yep. Okay, I, I need to that. take another break real quick. We will be right back. AM six fifty KGAB. Nick the Motor Guy back here on Car Gap. Still got to fit in uh, one more break. Uh, we got Doug on uh, line two. Feel free to call in on line one six three two sixty five hundred. Do just as I was sitting there, Doug, waiting to uh, go through the uh, <laughs> get, get get through the commercial break. I mentioned to this gentleman I had never even dealt with air conditioning until I came to the to the U.S. And I arrived in the U.S. in Maryland uh, in middle of April. Uh, back in 1992, and I had to go and get my driver's license and stuff. And I'd be, I borrowed my uh, um, godmother's husband's vehicle. He had a little Toyota Corolla, and it was hot as heck that day. And it was humid. And I'd gone. I, I want to say I'd gone to Sears or something like that. And the parking lot was on a slant, and I 
walked away from the car and I'd had the air conditioning on thinking, wow, this is the greatest thing ever. And I go into the, I go into Sears and I walk back out and there is a stream of, of liquid pouring from underneath this car. And I was like, oh my goodness me, what have I done to his car? I, there's no, I don't want to go back to Howard and tell him I broke his darn car. And so yeah. I'm climbing under it and I look and there's this hose sticking out of the firewall, dripping clear liquid or water. Oh, no. And I suddenly realized, oh, yeah, idiot. <laughs> but I've never forgotten that one. <laughs> yeah. You know, if, oh, you, if you've never it. dealt with it. <laughs> so anyway, <laughs> that, that's a story of a, a, another piece of my learning curve in the automotive industry. And it's not always when you're working. <laughs> yep. Hey, so right. it's going to be nice enough tonight to wear the Hawaiian shirt, I think. I think you can wear the Hawaiian shirt tonight, yes. Yeah, I think I'm going to. And uh, I think I'm going to try to do a little bit of a video tonight. You know, I keep trying to change it up a little bit. and uh, Part of the reason I'm going to catch so much grief is because I've been beating up on those guys over in the other corner with the Subarus and the Toyotas and the Nissans. Every time I go over there, I go. I, I always say something like, uh, "Well, here, here I am to talk to all the to all my rice burner buddies." Uh huh. And now you and, are uh, one you know, of, of them. Just, they just yak it up with me. You know, we we have a good time, especially the group of Subaru guys. You know, I you always got to give them a hard time. Yeah, they're so a great I'm bunch. Sure, I'm sure if they realize that I'm driving a, a Nissan 300ZX, that they're going to be ready to give me the business. Well, and of course, so, Doug, I, I, if I happen to be around and happen to be hearing you talk to them, of course, I wouldn't let them know that at all. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm sure you wouldn't. No, no, I'll keep that to myself, <laughs> me being that quiet, retiring little fella that I am. Yeah, I'm sure you wouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> that's good. it's going to be fun tonight. I, I'm going to be, it's going to be exciting, and we got Magic City, and Yep, we and, sure do. They're going to be on the corner of Twenty Fifth and Central, and I'm sure that they're ready. Didn't did they do it? Did they do it last year? I think they, they did. did not, they? they didn't. And in fact, they uh, when they got they picked, I've to. had a lot of conversations with um, their marketing lady, who won't be there tonight because I believe that she is having her first child right now, and she said, I'm, "Oh well, <laughs> I, I'm due. I'm due to have a baby right during that weekend." I said, "Well, yeah, please don't come out." Well, well the hospital, the hospital's right across the street. Well, I guess that's but, a good point. <laughs> you know, just we can run her over there real quick i mean it's not you know <laughs> yeah this poor thing she was like i'm so sorry i was like well you did yeah. anyway <laughs> well you know it so was if, 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 if anybody from magic city happens to be listening please uh give our best regards uh to the staff and who we dealt with because they've been wonderful to deal with i actually about 10 or 11 o'clock last night was still conversing with a couple of them about uh, could they borrow pictures for their signs i was like you borrow whatever you want to yeah. promote what you're doing out there tonight so i'm really excited to have magic city hey doug i need to grab this other break and then we'll be back okay okay all right okay, we'll, be right, hang on. we'll be right back am 650 kgab to Cheyenne's News and Talk Station, AM 650, KGAB, Orchard Valley, Cheyenne, a town square media station. Wonder if you should get tested for colorectal cancer? 
Well, it's the second leading cancer killer in the U.S., so if you're 50 or older, it's time. Screening helps find precancerous polyps so they can be removed. Remove the polyp, prevent the cancer. Did you know there's more than one screening test? Talk to your doctor to find the one that's right for you. No more excuses, because colorectal cancer screening really does save lives. A message from HHS and CDC's Screen for Life campaign. There's one thing you can never have sex without. It's consent. Because sex without it isn't sex. It's rape. It's on us to stop sexual assault. Learn how and take the pledge at itsonus.org. And we are almost at the end of the first hour of uh, Cargab. I, I, we may go back to the nameplate thing because nameplates are always fun when you think back to the old nameplates that were so cool. And of course, one of the nameplates that has survived the test of time is still on a car today. And Doug mentioned that nameplate earlier. Was the call? I mentioned it earlier. You did. <laughs> it had T tops. It had what? It had T-tops. You owned one. Oh, yeah, Corvette. Corvette, still around. Yeah. Uh, so what are we talking, Dar, nearly 70 years? Yeah, just about. Well, 53. Yeah. And and, uh, and the first ones were... But actually, there's a guy in town that has one of the first 16. Uh, that, number 16. That would be Mr. Mr. Whitehead, I believe. Mr. Whitehead, yeah. And it's... And it's original. I mean, he's it is, stored original. It is a gorgeous car, and he, he's also yeah. a, a fabulous, fabulous guy, a real car guy. If you ever get a chance to chat to Neil Whitehead, well, take yeah. the opportunity because he's he pretty special. Well, with yeah. that, we are out of the first hour. Doug, if you want to hang around, you're welcome. Otherwise, I will see you tonight. Well, I think there's. I think I've said all that needs to be said, Nick. Nick the Motor Guy, back here with the second hour of Car Gab on this beautiful Saturday. It's a little cloudy out there, but it is warm and lovely. And it's going to be a great night to get the York Day, to get the bike out, get the car out. Come down, enjoy downtown Cheyenne, support our local restaurants. And wherever you are in the country or indeed the world, just go in and go and go get out and have some fun. I understand certain areas of the world are still locked down. Some not as bad as others. Hopefully we're starting to see the back of this. Uh, it certainly feels uh, a lot less stressful than it did one year ago. One of the great things about the last year for me, and indeed probably most of my career, is the people that I get to meet doing the job I do or have done. Be it as a technician, be it as a parts guy, a service guy, a manager, and some are memorable because, well, quite honestly, I don't ever want to deal with them again. But most are memorable because they were just great people that even in the sometimes 10 minutes, sometimes one hour, whatever, that I get to spend them, I learn something or just realize there's some great people in this world. And I had a gentleman come, come in the other day from Riverton. I uh, bought a Royal Enfield Himalayan. Um, he was, uh, I, it was an older gentleman, I'll say that, and uh, just had the most fantastic experience 
been riding motorcycles many, 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 many years, still rides all the time. And in fact, he was driving back from Farmington, stopped in Cheyenne to look at a new Royal Enfield Himalayan. And he already had a motorhome with two motorcycles on a two motorcycle trailer. He had his friend with him, another great guy, another really interesting chap. And this gentleman, I, I want to use his name, but I probably should just in case because I haven't asked his permission. But anyway, he loved the Himalayan so much. He unloaded his Kawasaki Versus and told his friend, jump in the driver's seat, you're driving. He loads the new Himalayan onto the trailer and then he rides. And it wasn't that warm that day, all the way back to Riverton. And as I said, I let's say he was born in the early 40s so he's seen a lot of things he's ridden a lot of miles and what an absolute delight to be around it just people like that always honestly make my day my week my month uh my career and uh there's many of you who are listening today who've done the same thing for me so thanks to all of you with that if you would like to join me this morning, 632 6500, 632 3323, 188503, 6500. We're going to jump to line one. Good morning, you're on Cargap. And then you have a domestic terrorist yeah. with a datum of comparable magnitude. Yeah, and then there's you. Yeah. Well, I thought of some nameplates. Uh, there's the Chevy Chevet, the Ford Exploder, the Ford Fiasco, and the Dodge Peon. Well, and you've got the Ford Tortoise, or the Merc- yeah, or the Mercury Disabled, yeah, <laughs> or all the uh, many others. Uh, 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 oh, that's yeah, the Mer- That's a good one, the Mercury Disabled. <laughs> um, well, it was yeah, it was a uh, Ford and, Taurus and, and with and a big others, price tag, huh? It was a Ford Taurus with a big price tag. Two, yeah. Two inches uh, more chrome. It, I'm sorry? Two inches more chrome. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so what others have you thought of? Well, you know, sometimes there are nameplates that I actually thought was a great nameplate. Unfortunately, they attached them to appalling cars. One of the uh, uh, cars that I actually thought was a great nameplate was the Pontiac Aztec. Now, the vehicle, yeah, not so much. That thing, for anybody who doesn't know what a Pontiac Aztec is, it looks like Elon Musk's truck got designed 20 years ago and had 75 more angles put into it. It is was the ugliest, boxiest. I have no clue to this day how that got through customer clinics to actually get to be manufactured. But it was not one of GM's finer moments. But I love the nameplate. Uh, no doubt. Um, Pontiac actually had some good nameplates in those days. We had the Grand Prix for many years. And we had the Grand Am for many years what was wrong with those names what did they replace with it oh g3 g6 g8 really 
What did that say? I mean, I understand they were trying to be BMW. I mean, at that point, they'd even got the kind of twin kidney grill stuffed on the front of it to try and be the American BMW, which it wasn't and shouldn't have ever tried to be. One of the joys of Pontiac was they were American performance in its own right. It didn't need to try and be a BMW. Well, you, you know why lawyers drive BMWs. <laughs> no, I don't. We got, can well, I can hang on? Stretch limos change an ambulance. <laughs> okay, I was just about to hover over the dump button. You always, yeah. scare, you always scare me. <laughs> well, hey, at least life life stays interesting. Uh, challenging, yes. Yeah. Uh, is there uh, any chance Nancy might, Nancy might make a cruise night? Nancy is going to make a cruise night. It's probably going to be two or three weeks out, but I, I will take photographs and I will send them to you. Oh, cool. Um, well, you may have to save them because I might, uh, I might have to give you try and give you an email address. Okay. Uh, to 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 send them. To, yeah, I can say, um, but I can also uh, chuck them in the mail too. I can always print them out. Oh, beautiful! Um, <clears throat> be sure and have at least one dog in in the bed. Okay, well, I don't know if I'll put one in the bed, but I, I can always throw one in the cab if okay. you'll let me. Okay, uh, great. Well, uh, my best to your folks. And oh, how'd you like the DVDs? Yeah, they're great. Thank you. Awesome. You're very welcome. I awesome, you awesome, could, awesome. Uh, you'd have an appreciation for them. You're, you're in the same situation where I found out what I missed out on when I was a kid when the Norfolk and Western merged with the nickel plate. Yep. Yeah, it's, uh, no, it's fantastic. And I love the calendar. Um, the, uh, some of the history that those nickel plate calendars, and for those of you who don't know what I'm talking about with Skits right now, um, Skits sends me a calendar of the nickel plate ra- railroad every year. If you haven't got one of these calendars, or if you haven't ever seen one, and you're interested in railroad history and just some really, really great historical photographs of some of the things that made this country great, um, nickel plate railroad society, correct, Skits? Yeah, Nickel Plate Historical and Technical Society, nkphts.org. And uh, get on there. It is is lovely. I, I At some point, I want to get out there. In fact, uh, I, I think I might try and make an effort this year because having seen all the pictures, you've whetted my appetite. Ah, okay. Uh, well, the Fort Wayne Historical Society has the 765 there in New Haven, Indiana. Yep. Um, and um, uh, that's that's the biggest in Bellevue, Ohio. You have the Mad River Museum. Uh, they they've got quite a bit of rolling stock, so there there is stuff to see. Yeah, there's stuff to see, and I, I've been kind of looking at the website and getting some ideas. But anyway, uh, thanks for that, Skits, and thanks for the video. It's so wonderful, and when Father can make it over this side, I will be sharing them with him. Oh, okay. I, I thought you may want to mail, mail them to him, and he can mail them back. He can well, I can do all right. Uh, hopefully the lockdown uh, is... So, the the lockout is ended they at some point fairly soon. They are never going to end well, the lockdown. Well, we'll see where we end up, and hopefully I can get over there fairly soon, because that will be my goal. But we shall okay. see. As always. 
You take care. Dead votes don't count. Yep. See ya. See ya. And we are going to take a quick break so we can fit that in. And then we'll be right back and talk. Oh, I don't know. More nameplates, more cars, more motorcycles, and more people. Because as fun as the cars are, as fun as the bikes are, all of you folks that ride them and live them and drive them and enjoy them, that's a big part of it, too. We'll be right back here, AM 650, KGAB. One in six seniors faces the threat of hunger, and millions more live in isolation. Drop off a hot meal and say a quick hello. Volunteer for Meals on Wheels by donating your lunch break at americaletsdolunch.org. This message brought to you by Meals on Wheels America and the Ad Council. Tom has been a teacher for over 40 years. One day, I think one of the students had asked the question and he didn't remember the answer. And I also noticed that he was letting his class out earlier than they were supposed to let out. I was really starting to worry. Levi and I talked about how it would change our lives, but he was there beside me. When something feels different, it could be Alzheimer's. Now is the time to talk. Visit alz.org slash stories to learn more. A message from the Alzheimer's Association and the Ad Council. How long does it take to get to the forest? That's not far. What are we going to do? Hike? Sure. Are we there yet? Yep. It's a short drive from your neighborhood to your naturehood. Visit discovertheforest.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and the U.S. Forest Service. Nick the Motor Guy back here on CarGab AM650 KGAB. Earlier in the week, I received an email from my father um, over in England, and he celebrated, and I say that carefully, because we weren't celebrating it at all. But there was an article celebrating one of the worst cars in history. Now, to understand how one of the worst cars in history can be built, I need to go back probably close to 70 years. And when the British were building some great vehicles, in fact, the British motor companies, Austin and Morris and all of those, MG, were on top of the world. They were challenging Ford. They were challenging the might of Ford and GM. Ford had their British plants in Halewood. GM had their Vauxhall plant in Luton and Austin and Morris were producing little sports cars, the MGs, they were producing the Morris Thousands. Some of those some of you may have seen they did sell quite a few Morris Thousands over here. They were a kind of a cheeky great little runabout car. They also had produced various Austin sedans all based on the same platform, uh, which made sense. The powers that be decided that they needed a modern car to take on the new Ford Cortina 
um, from from Ford, which had had huge, huge success. And rather than trying to do something innovative, they basically took apart a Cortina and went, oh, that's rather clever. Well, we'll just copy it. But in typical British Motor Corporation, later to be known as British Leyland fashion, they then took all the parts from their now 30-year-old design of the Morris Thousand, Austin Sedans, etc., etc., and plant it into a rather mundane body that didn't quite want to accept that it was a complete and utter copy of the Cortina. So you've now got a copy of a Cortina with 30-year-old mechanicals built with 60-year-old machinery, and you'll wonder why it was a disaster. Anyway, with a heavy heart and sadness... I celebrate the 50th birthday of the Austin or Morris Marina. If you would like to see just how appallingly ugly the Austin or Morris Marina were, um, jump on the net, you will find road tests of the time, which, even though they were very pro the British car, because they wanted it to be successful, they... When they road tested, the car was so appallingly bad. They made excuses for it. Like, well, we were told it was a pre-production version, and it, we've been told it will perform better in real life. Well, it didn't. It was awful, and it continued to be awful. And unbelievably, they continued to sell that car for, I don't know, close to 10 years, 12 years, in a desperate attempt to make it more desirable, back in the early 80s, they redesigned it. Well, the redesign was actually a hammer smacked into a few body panels so it was shaped a little different. Some huge tail lights to try and change the look of the back end. And at least they used a new engine, right? No, wrong. They didn't. They used the same engines, were just as bad as the engines that they put in before, and the same suspension. It was still just as bad, but they did give it a new name. It was now the ITAL. Don't know where the name ITAL came from. Um, maybe it was a thought that this car was so voluptuous it must have come from Italy. No, well, it wasn't, and it was awful. And again, it died the death of all bad cars amazingly because the brits are very loyal they sold a ton of them not unsurprisingly they have not survived in fact the british actually can track how many of a certain model is still on the road and according to the email i i received i, I believe it was like 47 marinas and 23 itels still survive being driven on british roads and the only thing I can say to that is I feel very sorry for anyone who has to sit in one and actually drive it. I mean, it's not like you go put it in the barn, polished up, and go, oh, look at my beautiful Morris Marina. Oh, have you seen my ITAL today? No, no, you're not going to do that because it was awful. And let's face it, why are we calling a car something that belongs near a boat? I mean, I guess they could have called the Amphicar the Marina. That might have made sense. Right? Anyway, if you'd like to join me, 632-6500, 632-3323, 888 503 6500 
Earlier I was talking about Oldsmobile and all their great nameplates that they used back in the 60s. You know, and Starfires and Rockets, and they just had some great names. And it's really sad that, of course, Oldsmobile was, and I've talked about this before, number one net-selling nameplate in this country. The number one selling brand all the way up into the, the 80s. We had the, you know, the Starfires, the Cutlass. Not only did you have a Cutlass, you had a Supreme Cutlass, or actually a Cutlass Supreme. Great cars. And again, GM kind of played the same game that uh, British Motor Corporation slash British Leyland did. They kind of sat on their laurels. And Oldsmobile went from being the number one selling nameplate in 1981. 20 years later, that nameplate was pretty much gone. The Cutlass name had disappeared. Starfires and Rockets and all of those had disappeared. To be replaced by mundane names like Silhouette, and Aurora, and others which can be forgotten because they were just, they weren't great names and they were terrible cars. So that's how to kill a brand. Good job, GM. Pontiac did the same thing. I mean, it really does show the GM management at the time. Great nameplates, things that we, we loved. People, think people went and bought a Grand Prix. In 2000, I went and bought a Grand Prix. I loved my Grand Prix. Supercharged 3.8 engine, really great car. Handling the, yeah, wasn't the best, I admit. Build quality, it was okay. But a brilliant engine and a cool name and great, great styling. But again, the powers that be got hold of it and it became sort of jelly moldish. And by the mid 2000s, well, yeah, it had been destroyed. That nameplate was going to be gone, replaced, as I said earlier, by the G8. Which I guess goes for great. Unfortunately, it wasn't. Um, Pontiac is a very, very sad brand to go away. Right? I mean, all of, all of us car guys, the Trans Am, the Grand Am, all of those cars, wide track. I, that was one of the really clever parts of the advertising in those late 90s times. GM was starting to get that right. They were reliving their great moments of the 60s with the GTOs and the wide track design. And wide track, all that was was the wheels were further apart, giving a wider track, giving more stability. Did it mean that everybody else was doing it? Yeah, everybody else was doing it, but they didn't talk about it. And it made people excited. And one of the things that Pontiac took from that was the wide track, was it was a driver's car, that it was something you got into and you enjoyed. And they came out with Pontiac is driving excitement. Anybody remember that advertising slogan? I remember hearing and going, wow, that really makes me want to go and look at a Pontiac. And then... The next commercial was for an Oldsmobile, which, of course, always had a little bit of a problem because it started with the letters OLD, uh, which kind of put people off a little bit, particularly when the average age driver by that point of the late 90s, early 2000s, the Oldsmobile, was really old. And so GM had driving excitement, and they had old. 
And then the one completely lost one in the middle of all this was Buick. I always loved Buicks, but they've always sort of been, in those days, they were kind of the forgotten third nameplate of the the other three. I mean, you had Chevrolet, you had GMC, but of Oldsmobile, Buick, and Pontiac. Buick, to me, was always kind of the forgotten one. But crazy, here we are sitting today, and Buick is the only one that actually survived. It's the one that is still going. How how does that happen? They make some great cars. Buick's made some wonderful cars. Actually, the, the last few years, Buick oh, will ignore a couple of cars like the Encore, which looked like an upside-down egg on wheels. But they built some really nice cars. GM's trying to get go the right direction. They are still building cars. Uh, Ford has not. We now, in the world of Ford, we don't have a car anymore here in the U.S., we have trucks. We have SUVs. I mean, we'll ignore the Mustang because that's a sports coupe, but a genuine everyday sedan or a wagon, all gone. It's now cute utes. It's now trucks. And it is an electric powered UTV with a Mustang badge. I understand it's incredibly fast. I've been looking. Everyone's been touting the new Mustang Mark. Human Services and the Ad Council. In 1977, an eight-year-old boy picked up the game of golf from his father. The odds of that same boy winning the U.S. Open twice, one in 1.2 billion. The odds of him having a child diagnosed with autism, one in 110. Ernie Els encourages you to learn the signs of autism at AutismSpeaks.org. Brought to you by Autism Speaks and the Ad Council. NASCAR champion Bobby Lavani here with my brother Terry and my nephew Justin. You know, every sport has its essential safety gear. For racing, we wear helmets, fire retardant suits, and no mix gloves. For fishing, waterfowl hunting, and boating, we wear life jackets. After an intense race, there's nothing more relaxing than bass fishing or a little duck hunting on the lake. On the track or on the water, accidents happen fast. Your day weather forecast is brought to you by Bob Ruart Motors. An honest, upfront deal. All roads lead to BobRuartMotors.com. Good-looking weather conditions this Saturday, the best day of the weekend. Highs all the way to the upper 70s, near 80 degrees. Might see a shower or storm late, mid-40s for overnight lows. Not as nice Sunday, cold front moves in. Some brisk north winds, highs mid to upper 50s. Rain developing in the afternoon, especially evening hours. Chilly, rainy night, Sunday night, lows mid-30s. I'm Day Weather Meteorologist Mark Hewer. Whether you're planting a tree or digging a foundation, contact One Call of Wyoming at one 800 849 476 or 811. Call two business days before you dig. It's free and required by law. Repairs to utilities can be expensive. Cutting a gas line or electrical line can be deadly. No matter if it's weekend yard work or major construction, call One Call of Wyoming at 1 800 849 2476 or 811. Sponsored by Public Service Commission, Wyoming Association of Broadcasters in this station. Ladies and gentlemen, today's opponents on Man versus Train. At the crossing, we have Rick, a 175-pound frustrated man who's running late for work. And on the tracks, we have Bull, a million-pound freight train that takes a month. You can't beat a train, so don't try. Stop. Trains can't. Paid for by NHTSA. You knew the risks when you decided to drive drunk. 
There could be a crash. People could get hurt or killed. But that didn't stop you, did it? You knew you could get arrested. You could incur huge legal expenses. And you could possibly even lose your job. You were well aware of the consequences of driving drunk. But one thing's for sure. You were wrong when you said it was no big deal. Drive sober or get pulled over. This message brought to you by NHTSA. Hi everybody, I'm Jack Hanna. Since I was a boy, I've been fascinated with animals, especially their tireless work ethic. This work ethic is shared by our best friends, canines who perform life-saving work every day. So please join me and American Humane in supporting our heroic working dogs. Go to AmericanHumane.org to learn more. Nick the Motor Guy back here on Cargab AM 650 KGAB. we got about 20 minutes left of the show today. If you would like to join me this morning, 632-6500, 632-3323, Let's jump straight to the phones. Good morning. You're on Cargab. Hey, good morning, Nick. Eric here. Good morning, Eric. How are you, sir? Hey, rolling with the punches, guy. <laughs> hey, you know why I think Buick survived? Was those people who drove Buicks, all right, loaded, uh-huh. they knew that they were dri- driving the Cadillac. Well, yeah, absolutely. It was kind of the the poor man's Cadillac, and the build quality was, uh, particularly those 60s. As you know, I have a 67, which I absolutely love that car. Yeah. And to, to jump into a Cadillac of the same era, it's a very, 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 very similar car. Yeah. Um, so, yes, I, I can see that. Um, it just surprised me with, with what was going on in the mid-2000s that that was the brand that survived. Automobile dying didn't surprise me. Yeah. But but Pontiac, um, that one did. Saturn didn't surprise me because they never made any money building Saturns anyway, and they were quite honestly, lousy cars. Clever advertising, lousy cars. Yeah, it's just like, you know, it's just like with the Mercury Mercury loaded, it was a Lincoln, you know? Everybody, Absolutely. You know, pe- people, people who, who used to drive in, uh, hell, uh, look, you know, comfortable and nice riding and everything, you know, uh, they usually stick with it. They, you know, the, 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 they're acclimated to that car and nothing else yep. <laughs> after a while, you know, so. Yeah, I mean, that's why certain cars with certain nameplates survived. And sometimes I think the manufacturers get into a almost blase opinion that they'll get away with continuing to, to build those vehicles. Certainly yeah. in Europe, Ford got away with that with the Cortina for many years. Um, they brought out the... 
appalling Ford Sierra, although that did end up being a successful vehicle, which is amazing because they were so ugly when they... I mean, they are still incredibly yeah. ugly. Um, they were sold over here as a Mercure XR4, if you remember those. Yeah. Um, in, in England, or in Europe, they were, they were everywhere, and they were kind of the, the, the salesman's car, and that's what Ford did was just flood them onto the market, so people got so used to them, they actually yeah. bought them. Uh, you know, the other company, again, Oldsmobile, got very, very happy to just churn out the same okay car for years in the Oldsmobile yeah. Cutlass Sierra, which was your standard three-box American sedan with a bench front seat and a bar-style speedometer. And when I was selling those for holidays back in the mid-90s, 95, 96, that darn car felt like it was 15 years old when you got into it. <laughs> yeah, I guess with the bench seat, uh, sort of like said, uh, hey, is this a pickup truck from the 50s or what? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it, it, it was it was amazing. It was a real throwback car, and, but there was a certain person that got into that car and went yep that's what i want i haven't been able to find anything like this i wanted my bench seat i wanted my shifter on the column i didn't want all my space taken up with cup holders i just want my traditional american sedan and ultimately you'll happily fill that gap and churn them out but what happened was people were looking at things going wow automobile builds a really old person's car i don't want to go and look at it and it killed the brand well you know what uh See, when they did away with the bench seat, all right, uh, uh, which which made the car more suitable for sitting in and, and comfort and, and holding on turns and stuff like that. But the, uh, the, the the doing away with the bench seat had a had a had a terrible effect on young romantic people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but they all went and bought pickup trucks. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so but. But you know, uh, look, looking at cars today, uh, as far as cosmetics goes, uh, you know, when you, uh, as far as I'm concerned, the only classic looking, classy looking limousine today is the Chrysler 300. Absolutely, which it's of course, classy looking, and, uh, and under the skin, you do know what that is, right? Yeah, it's a Mercedes. Yeah, it's an E series Mercedes, yeah. and yes, it's brilliant. It's a good car, and. Yeah. Um, at some point, it's going to be interesting to see what the owner of the Chrysler company, which is now basically, I think, the Peugeot Citroen Group, um, where, what PSA is going to do with that, because that is now an ancient platform. That platform started on the E-Series Mercedes, I want to say in the late 90s. So it is, that's a 20-plus-year-old platform that they are still churning vehicles out of. Now, good for Chrysler. They've made some cool cars out of that. I mean, that, that basically, that platform is what's sitting under a Hellcat. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the, the platform, I'm not saying the engine is, and, but Ron, don't call me. I know. Don't worry. I'm not saying. But, yeah, they are. The, the basic car has now been churned out in many forms in the Charger. Yeah. The Challenger and all the all those that, but that was basically, effectively a, a Mercedes platform, which oh, has been developed yeah. and developed and developed. Yeah, but at some point, that, that's going to come to an end. Yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah, you know? but you know, you know something. Uh, I I went on YouTube and I was just hunting around one day and it got some interesting stuff on YouTube and uh, I was surprised to see that the uh, 
the, the fastest sports car in the world now is a Bugatti. <laughs> yes, yes, uh, whatever they Unreal. whatever they they call it now. But yes, yeah. and and that's been, and that is with input from VW. Oh, okay. I believe that is still owned by Volkswagen. I may be wrong. It certainly was owned by Volkswagen at one time, and I believe the engineering is still underneath, is still VW. Nick, if you ever decide to design a sports car, I got a good name for it. Okay, what you got? Cheetah. Yeah, absolutely. Now, there was somebody who called a car a Cheetah years ago. It was, and it was a kit car. And it was a kit car, if I remember rightly, that kind of copied the Chevron Trans Am cars of the time. I didn't know that. I thought I yeah. came up with something new. Yeah, well, you, know, you did, kind of. You know, because you can name cars after animals, you know, and name it after the fastest one. Name it after the fastest one. Yeah. Yes, indeed. All right, Nick. All right. I'll, I'll, I'll proceed to listen. It's very interesting uh, what you're talking about today. Oh, well, I'm just wandering all over as I do. It's just whatever pops up in my tiny little head. Hey, you're all <laughs> learning something, you know. When we listen to your program, I'm telling you, I'm learning something every day. Well, thanks. I hope it's fun. Okay, take care, Nick. Take care, Eric. Great talking to you. Bye-bye. And let's jump over to line two. Good morning. You're on CarGap. Morning, Nick. Good morning. Larry and Cheyenne, I've got a 2013 PSO, and I encountered one of the things you were warning us about on tires here recently. A couple weeks ago, I bought a set of tires and it was pretty windy but I was driving off and this car was all over the road Uh huh. comes out they were sitting at 38, 39 pounds instead of 33 like it's on the door <laughs> and it made it handle real funky didn't it yeah it was quite a trip but uh I ain't going to name who, what tire company did it, but you'd think a tire store would have that under control, you know. Well, uh, owning automotive stores, I'm not going to tell you I've never had an employee that's made a mistake. Um, I will say that I, that every new guy I have gets the lecture about make sure you inflate to the owner's manual or to the door pressure. Never, 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 never to the tires. And it amazes me still to this day. I will occasionally get a new young employee who is, and of course, well, they, they think they, you know, they're dealing with this old guy who doesn't know what he's talking about. They will try to argue it with me. Um, yeah. It, it, <laughs> it, yeah. And I, I mean, it's great. I'm sorry you had to go through that, but it's great to hear somebody have that experience because it really does make a car handle extremely strangely, other than it also wears <laughs> the tire out. Yep. Well, the other thing I got here is uh, you warned about leakage of fluids and stuff and power steering and. Yep. And. Last night, maneuvering parking, I I noticed the whine when I went one direction on the steering. Uh-oh. But I took a look under the hood this morning, half asleep, and I can't see a power steering unit on this car. What is your car? The Kia Soul. 
Uh, Kia Soul probably doesn't have a power steering unit. It is almost certainly... What year is the Soul? 13. I believe a 2013 Kia Soul has an electric... But almost all of the modern cars have gone away from hydraulic power steering or hydraulic assist. It is now all an electric power steering and is all self-contained within the steering column and steering rack itself. Um, they can sometimes make noise and it can fail. And um, at that point, they are significantly more expensive than the old hydraulic style. Yeah, that figures. <laughs> Sorry. Well, it's it's not a it's not a loud noise. I just happened to not have the radio on at the time, you know. Otherwise, I wouldn't have heard it. It's just a little droning, uh, you know. Um, and as I said, it may it may be a power, it may be a fluid one. I don't. I I I'm pretty certain that that one is an electric power steering. Um, but again, I, I, you'll have to... I, I'd want to double-check it, but I'm pretty certain that, that by that stage, Kia had gone electric power steering. And they, again, the, all these manufacturers are doing it because they want to offload the engine. So they, they have, the engine is running less pumps. By offloading the engine, yeah. they're getting better fuel economy and all that kind of stuff. And electric power steering actually works very well. Now, what you might be getting um, is an alternator starting to go bad. And as that alternator loads up, you may be getting a whine from the alternator bearing. So you might want to have somebody just take a glance at that. It's not likely. Now, it's, it's a new alternator, and it doesn't seem to take the loads that, every, that the old one did. Okay, so that that might be the problem. That might be the issue. Okay. Okay. I'll get her checked. All right. Great talking to you. Thanks for listening. Okay. Sorry about that little earlier. Talk to you later. Take care. Bye bye. Bye. And let's jump over to line one. Good morning, you're on Cargav. Hey, buddy. Hey, how are you doing, bud? Oh, well, you know, not too bad. That's enough about me. Let's talk about you. No, we don't want to talk about me. <laughs> I, 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 hey, so. So. Why not? Why don't you want to talk about you? Because I How do you feel, Nick? How do you feel? How do I feel? I feel like my voice is just about to give out and my entire crew across all the stores is going to cheer. Yeah, well, um... It's nothing a little tonic won't fix. Uh, correct. So that's good news. Uh, you know, people should uh, people should go downtown and cruise sometimes. That's kind you of know, a cool idea. That, that's that's a cool idea. I wonder who I wonder who can make that happen. I don't know. Probably maybe you and, and Doug Arnold. Well, I'm thinking maybe Magic City tonight. And I think maybe, maybe uh, great restaurants downtown encourage people to come down. And after eating a great meal in downtown Cheyenne, maybe you can go cruise your car up and down the street while a few people are out there waving at you. Where Just, do you think we would eat downtown, though? You know, there's some pretty cool places. Uh, there's Sanford's. There's Two oh, Doors yeah. Down. And if you want to get a little bit outside downtown, you've got... 
um, the tortilla factory out on uh, South Greeley. That gives you a little bit further to cruise. If you want to stay in the downtown area, you've got uh, the Ribbon Chop. Um, you've got the Accomplice Brewing. If you uh, have a designated driver... I'm going to look three of Mondello's here. I'm just saying, sometimes you need a pizza. As sometimes you need a pizza. Um, the other ones that I could also recommend might be... Um, if you have a designated driver, maybe you want to go and have a beer in a really nice styled old house at Daniel Marks. Or maybe you want to go to a modern, more, uh, quite honestly, hipster place as Blacktooth or, I don't know, a couple of tap houses out there. I usually like to drink my dinner at the Crown. Well, there is always the crown. But again, if you're going to go drinking and you're going to go cruising, then you need to be sitting in the passenger seat and let somebody else drive that cool car. Is that how it goes? Well, anyway, that would be a cool idea. Somebody should do that. Yeah, I think we should do that. Why don't you come join me tonight? All right, we can do that. 6 o'clock to 10 or 9.30-ish, downtown Cheyenne, Magic City Enterprises. We're going to cruise again, and I'm going to let you go, Jeremy. And we're not have to worry about you talking too much. <laughs> yeah, thanks a lot. <laughs> you can go now. You have been dismissed. <laughs> and with that, Mr. Jeremy Royer, bass player for the incredible Mr. Bird and the Perfect Strangers. Um, obviously, Mr. Royer is not one of the Perfect Strangers. All the rest of the guys are. They are perfect, and they are strange. Nick the Motor Guy back here on CarGab AM 650 KGAB. If you'd like to join, we've got about six or seven minutes left of the show. We've got to fit a break in there as well at some point. 632 for those listening on KGAB.com. Let's jump to the line. Good morning, Ron CarGab. Good morning. It's your first. Royal Enfield customer. Hello, my first Royal Enfield customer. How are you, sir? Good. I've, I've got a bunch of questions. I've got to, I'll make try to go fast. Starting with oil. When you use synthetic oil, what do you think is a real mileage uh, for the oil? And I've heard people say, well, it can go a long time, but you probably should change the filter, you know, to say mid-oil change or something. Well, what, what, is, what, what do you think about that? Um, I would agree. Uh, and it, with modern filtration technology, um, it may not even be necessary to change the filter halfway. But certainly now with the, the, what the synthetic oils do, is they just simply don't break down. They don't lose their lubric, um, lubrication properties as quickly as some of the just regularly refined oils did back in the day. Um, so synthetics are a, a great thing. They certainly, I've been using them for years. I have taken, I've seen engines taken apart with many, 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 many miles on it that have religiously used synthetic with uh, minimal, minimal wear and tear. Um, so I would say go with the manufacturer's recommendation um, on cars now, I've, a lot of cars, 10,000 mile fill intervals. However, and this is a big however, please, please remember that just because you don't need to change your oil, you do still need to check it because there are engines will still use a small amount and 10,000 miles is an awful long time 
before an oil change. And by the time you get to 10,000 miles on, say, an 80 or 100,000 mile car, it may have used enough oil that it's below the safe limit. So keep that in mind as well. Oh, yeah. I I, I found that that I have to add a little bit every uh, several thousand miles to to, to keep it up. Okay. Uh, And so if... 10,000 is a lot. Let's say if it was even 7,000, it, it would make sense then to say 3,500 to put in a new filter and then just top it off. Again, go with the manufacturer's recommendations. These new filter media are, are doing a tremendous job and, and uh, lasting longer. But if it is an older car, and I suspect I know the car you're talking about, Joe, um, yes, I would do that. Okay, yeah, well, I, that gets another thing. The brand, I remember a couple of years ago, uh, the orange brand label, uh, which has all sorts of great commercials, turned out to be some of the worst filters. Correct. So, I actually remember doing that show with a uh, with a gentleman from Shell Oils, um, and we had the Napa folks on here talking about that. Um, so, I would I would say any filter built by Wix W I X. Um, which is what a Napa filter is, is a branded Wix. Many of the manufacturers are branded Wix. Um, I have not investigated the orange brand in a long time, but I know that the orange brand had some issues, including not even using a um, completely metallic cap inside of the cartridge. So, yeah, so yeah, the cardboard falling apart or something. Uh, correct. Yes. Yes, indeed. Yeah. Wait. Uh, next thing, on the old bikes, like my, my, oh, I just got the registration, a title in my name for the 59 Connie. Lovely. So that project is back on uh, track. My uh, Magneto and Smith speedometer are on the way to Canada to, for an expert to rebuild those. Uh, now, I've got the original manual. I mean, not original, but reproductions. So of course, they're not going to be talking about modern oils. Uh, what do you put in these old bikes? I am still using straight white oils in my old British stuff. It's straight white oils. And, you, and you, you can buy them. I can talk to you more offline on that, but you can buy class. You can buy oils for classic machines. They still make them. Okay. And now I'm going to really stretch your, your memory. You said you had a, you had a Connie. I had. I I have had several old Royal Enfields in my time. So yes. Okay, I, I'm just curious. I was going through all the parts lists from um, Hitchcock's, and I noticed that little cam or shell thing for adjusting the, the chain, yeah. which is the same that's on the bullet. It's only on one side. Um, uh, that, if I remember rightly, is a QD rear wheel. So, yes, I think yes. that is correct. Okay. Uh, yeah, it is a quick disconnect, but yeah. as far as I can tell. So... Uh, so how do you know the thing is aligned? Is it self-aligning? It's self-aligning. That's the whole idea of it. Really? I would, really? I would still double-check okay. it, and I used to do that. And okay. the way I double-checked it was I did take a quick measurement from the front of the swing arm to the axle on each side. Okay. Uh, 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 how, how, say that last thing again. You took a measurement from, from the front sw- From the front of the swinging arm. Okay. To the axle shaft, to the center of the axle shaft on each oh, I side. See. So, just, so just measure in and make sure the distance in is the same. It's the same. The you got it. Great. Uh, uh, and with that, hey, uh, Joe, I'm going to run out of time. I'm really yes. sorry. Oh, no. Great. 
Great. Thank you. All right. You take care, my friends. A Telsquare Media of Southeast Wyoming podcast. Find more of our shows at kgab.com backslash podcasts.